Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, I almost whacked my oboe. Last time on Dungeon Drunks. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And I just felt over here as I reached my arms out to do big arm things. You gotta be double for that action, Cotton. I, it, listen, there was a moment where I'm like, did I just whack my... Yeah, I did. Okay. Our heroes have returned to Waterdeep after successfully assisting Penelope, the brave halfling druid, with reclaiming a grove and a forest from fungus. Which is a gross simplification of what happened. But this is a recap. They're now in possession of the Olam Harp, one of the legendary instruments of the bards. And during the next few days of recovery and downtime, they must negotiate with all of the beings who want to have possession of this instrument. They were sent to retrieve it by Thontorvrak, the Blue Dragon. But Jonathan's bosses at the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors also want to use it for a special concert that reunites all of the legendary Thalatir instruments that are out there. The beginnings of an agreement between the two sides have been started, but it's up to the group to figure out what to do next. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Obo. I'm rocking the groom's person mug. Yay! It is filled with blackberry sage tea. Yay! We're recording early enough that I'm hoping to work out afterwards, so I'm not having anything that is alcoholic, because hopefully, hopefully, while we're having a D&D game... An exercise bike will be delivered, and I will have. Nice. Yeah. I used to have a recumbent bike that I loved because I would literally just sit in the bike and pedal and sweat and play video games. And as the pandemic has continued to wear on, I've kind of gotten tired of my exercise routine. And so it was time to drop a little bit more money. And we have a semi-recumbent bike coming, which is going to probably be my workout for today is to uh, assemble that thing. (laughs) And I probably shouldn't have anything to drink when I do it. Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight, I have a Moscow Mule. I Mm. just made it myself. It is a double, so it has a double of vodka, double your pleasure, and an alcoholic ginger beer. So this is going to hit hard. (laughs) But it sounds delicious. It is delicious. We also have, speaking of hitting hard, it's a fireball shot. It's a shot of fireball. And this shot of fireball, this week, is dedicated to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Because she had some things to say about MTG. We will not expand on that particular acronym because that person is terrible. She, however, clarified that she was not talking about Magic the Gathering. She is, in fact, cool with those folks, as she said. (laughs) So, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Madam Representative, This shot of Fireball, which, if you remember, is uh, you tap X mana uh, as a sorcery, and it does that much damage, is a red sorcery card. This shot of Fireball is for you. And we hope that you top deck whatever card you need in your next game. I think that's a magic thing. Did I I just do a magic thing? like a legacy gal, because I would imagine that back in her college years, she probably amassed a few, like... I'm just going to go with what was meta in my college years, a uh, a recurring nightmare uh, deck. So she's got she went and got herself like four recurring nightmares and four uh, mulches. See, 
I picture her playing Simic as a blue-green deck. Okay. I, you know what? Blue-green is probably a little bit more, more appropriate for her. She, she got some brains on her. I'm going to admit that the one of the only times I've ever actually played Magic the Gathering has been with the four of you and a couple of other people at, I think it was a PAX. I think it was, it was PAX, PAX East. The very East first we one sat... when we got the, the decks and the swag bags. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. And you showed me how to play with the Planeswalkers decks. And it was it was a lot of fun. I have not been able to play again since because uh, the way I like to play games and some of the core mechanics of Magic the Gathering clash. But what I love about Magic the Gathering is the art. And so yeah. and, and also like I, I like a lot of those people who make those th- those games. So that that all made me happy. You know who I also know likes Magic the Gathering? Bernie, what are you drinking? Ah, I like Magic the Gathering. Probably not as much as my husband likes Magic the Gathering. I do actually like the art a lot, and most of it's it's ironic that I'm saying this because the one, this is like the one little while where I don't have card art as the the background, but I <laughs> I have like a, a spooky one of the really spooky swamps. A couple of those that get rotated out mm. every uh, October. I have uh, not a beer tonight. What? <gasps> I have sort of a like very hastily made sangria. We got some some lemonade concentrate so that you just like add a little bit of it to water to make lemonade. And so I figured I would use like I'd basically have the concentrate like half of the amount of water in seltzer and then white wine and some rum. Hmm. That also sounds good. You and Jonathan have both kind of mixed up quite the drink. I'm impressed. We're breaking out of our normals. Like, normally I've got the seltzer and Jules has the beer. Yeah. Ooh, if that's I, true. Like, I feel like what I should have done is if I had some, like, I should have put some, like, honey in there. And then it would be a very Bernice drink. It would mm. be, like, lemonade and honey and rum. and Ooh. It's good. It's very summery. It's finally warm here. Yay. Uh, finally. Finally. I have no transition except that you're awesome. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good, people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening will be picking up the, the beer slack from Jules. <laughs> I have a Guinness in a can, and it is full of <gasps> not too much. And I'm going to drink it right out the can because I'm not fancy, even though they tell you it's best poured into a glass. But uh, I had a, I know it's not very summery. I had a Modelo Especial while I was grilling earlier. Uh, some people smoke when they're at clubs. I drink beer when I grill. So. so does Steven. Solid. Hey, you've picked a good beer, and and Guinness is one of those beers that goes well with, uh, uh, especially grilled it's food. It's so it's so smooth. It's like the yacht rock of beers. The last time I had a Guinness, I was actually in Ireland on the way back from India. So, in uh, well, I think that's it was Shan- not fair. <laughs> Shannon Airport. I didn't get to leave the airport, so my only trip to the Emerald Isle consisted of me like going through customs again, uh, going to a bar, getting my. Uh, I think I got fish and chips or meat and potatoes or something. And then I got a Guinness because I'm like, I have to have a Guinness in Ireland because because y- your boy's basic. It's like having a red stripe in Jamaica. You just kind of got to do it. I got to ask, if you remember, was it served at room temperature? Or was it served cold? It was, I believe it was cold. It wasn't like ice cold though, like beers, beers. It was on the colder side. Okay. Because that was my very long time ago trip to England and Ireland. I was very, very lucky. Got to go on tour. And what I remember the most about any of the alcohol that I had, I remember it being warm, but then being pleasantly surprised and having that American realization of, oh, shit, when it's not freezing cold, you can taste it better. Mm. So 
I've always wanted to go back to, because that was <clears throat> decades ago. <coughs> oh, Carlton, I have something in my throat. Why don't you tell us what you're drinking? <clears throat> uh, so, been sitting in my fridge, you know, because this is our first recording back from paternity leave. Uh, but friend of the show, Jason, got me this health aid booch pop. Feel good bubbly beverage, palm berry. What? With a lot of b- b- pop sounds. Which I- is basically kombucha soda. And it sounds as terrible as it tastes. Oh, oh, sorry, it tastes no. as terrible as it sounds. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, buddy. Because you, you rattled all of that off and my brain broke in the middle of that, that description of what b- that b- drink b- was. I mean, it just tastes like kombucha and I'm not a huge kombucha fan. Yeah. And so mm. it's just like, it's got that like yeasty, acidity, kind of vinegary taste. It's not terrible. Like I could drink it. Not like bacon soda. Yeah, but still. I mean, that still told the cake for worst thing I put in my mouth on this show. <laughs> and I chose my words intentionally. You know, you know. I feel like the book of bad sodas has to be Patreon content for us at some point in the future. <laughs> I, I think that's a DMs Guild product that, that we all have to write together. And it's all all potions. Yes. Oh, yes. This is uh, the 20 years later reunion of the Heralds of Greenest at Gestock's Tavern, where they've convinced him to experiment with drinks. And now he just has all the wrong things. And the adventure is you have to turn him on to good flavors, natural flavors, when he's wanted to artificial everything up. In Waterdeep. I'll figure it out. Remind me to go into an aside later about Pennsylvania birch beer. No time today, but some point in the future. Well, I will say, the because this is my fantasy world, the root beer that he has is a very smooth root beer. It is it is almost... It's it's Henry Weinhardt's. He's got Henry, Henry oh, Weinhardt's. Wow. wow. Because I prefer a root beer that is smooth and doesn't have a ton of carbonation and is just... It's basically... Not beer, but root beer. And so I don't know if you're going to have root beer this morning, but you are waking up. It is the morning of Chess 8, the 8th of chess, because that's, I'm going to keep calling it chess. I don't know how to say it any other is way. Is there a chess pie? Is there a holiday sometime? Is chess, where, what would you define? What season does chess straddle? Uh, you are still in winter, although it is starting to turn to spring. That's Let a me... good time for a chocolate chess pie, don't you think? Uh, Here's some new sure. D&D canon for everyone that is um, officially authorized by Wizards of the Coast. That's not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> is it not? I mean, so, the month of chess is marked by a very special pie-based holiday. Because I assume that it is it the third month of the year. It is the third month of the year. You On had... the 14th day of chess, you eat pie. Well, it is the 8th, so if you want to work towards the 14th, yeah, you've got a little while before your next holiday. Green grass is coming up in uh, another month and a half, but it is uh, it is the third month of the year. You are still in the first week yes, of it. It yes. is still cold and snowy outside, although you know that warmer days are on the horizon. You also know that while you've got a few things that you're supposed to be doing, nothing is so imminent that you need to wake up terribly early. Jonathan knows that one of the things he was planning on doing was doing some back and forth with the Watchful Order uh, to the Elemental Plane of Water. And all of you know you're supposed to go talk to Thontor Vrak soon. But otherwise, the day is yours. What would you like to do? Bernie wants to corner Jonathan. <laughs> okay. 
Jonathan the Magic Muscular is seeking Bernie out. Bernie, Bernie is um Ferris Buellering it up. She's got her bathrobe on, and like she she has sought you out. You are in the communal bathroom brushing your teeth, and she saunters up and leans against the wall, trying to look a little intimidating. <laughs> oh, hey, Bernie. Good morning. Hey, Bernie. Um, I actually needed to talk to you about something. <laughs> Wonderful. And so she's going to um slide into the bathroom and shut the door behind her and lock it. We have to talk. Hey, Jonathan the Magic Muscular prepares to cast teleport. <laughs> but what? I want to remind you. Okay. That the bosses aren't your friends. This actually, uh, this plays into what I wanted to talk to you about. I want you to handle the negotiation between uh, the city and Thotorak. I make excellent security now that I can throw meteors from the sky. I can put up a fight against a dragon. But you have the heart of this deal. You see it very clearly. You see what needs to be done on both sides. I have to use my talents to get people back from the plane of water. I was hoping to do that ASAP. And Jonathan the Medge Muscular is actually going to kneel down uh, to Bernie's level and say, I know you didn't ask for any of this, but I think you have the most level head for both sides. And I feel a little bit compromised in these negotiations because I am subordinate to one of the sides. You are subordinate to no one. You're damn right. Oh, well, except Bay. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah, he touches his symbol as he does that. <laughs> she she kind of makes like a whatever the holy symbol of Bay. They both do that. Like, uh, kinda, recall that his the symbol that he uses goes, to like, cast head, shoulders, knees, and chest. <laughs> the symbol that he uses to summon dawn is a honeycomb. Yeah. So a honeycomb pen. I'll kind of I'll think of something. <laughs> yeah. So what, whatever you do, Jonathan the Magic Muscular also does. Oh, I like this. So Bernie makes up something new every goddamn time. This time it really was head, shoulders, knees, and chest. Jesus. Okay. Jonathan the Magic Muscular <laughs> did what he did last time. It's like, oh, is it, okay. Uh, all right. Anyway, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is best served right now going and fetching people from the plane of water, those who want to leave, and returning letters. I, I assume... We've probably gotten some le- a set of letters that are that are going back already, maybe from people who were just in Waterdeep and going, oh my god, someone so-and-so sent me a letter. Letter back. Not yet, because it's only been about a day since oh, you got okay. back. You do think that that's going to be something that happens, but n- there just hasn't been enough time. Okay. But at this moment, you're, the only thing that you know you're supposed to do soon, and once again, this is flexible, and, and everyone is kind of bowing to your schedule, is you know you're going to do some back and forth in the next couple of days, and that one of those days is supposed to be soon-ish because you're going to take Quat back. But once right. again, nothing has been set in stone, and everybody is... Uh, deferring to your availability because you are the expert here. Eventually, and this is part of your debriefing with the Watchful Order, there will be the few high-level people at the Watchful Order who can cast teleport will take over some of the back and forth for you so that it's not, because they understand you have other duties, but the initial back and forth is going to be you 
and and assumably one of those times you'll bring along somebody who will then be introduced as the new back and forth person right and uh and as they're creating the tuning fork their own tuning fork for the for the field for the plane of water in that time i'll lend them mine and uh and then they can get it back to me whenever but, but you uh, do remember yours came from thontorvrak this is also factoring into Jonathan the Magimuscular not wanting to directly talk to Thontorvrak because he feels like if he's asked for it, there's no reason, like, it's not worth the fight to keep it. So rather than make that an issue now, like today, before this all has happened, Jonathan the Magimuscular is choosing to make himself scarce and utilizing the fork that he may or may not be able to keep. So, and Jonathan the Magimuscular will explain this to Bernie. He's like, Bernie, I don't want to give this back. If he asks for it back, I'm going to have to give it back or else all hell will break loose. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm not, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a cool tuning fork, but that's not a hill I'm going to die on. It's not a hill I'm going to cough on. It's not a hill I'm going to summon meteors on. I mean... It, yeah, no, but, we're not. I'm not. I wouldn't sit. I, I wouldn't scrape a knee for that hill. Let me tell you, you give it back if he asks for it back. Exactly. That's another reason why I probably shouldn't be there. Is that net then I can continue to at least make a few more trips before the watchful order can take over and start heading there themselves. Bernie says after you like, give her the speech, she kind of sighs, like, like. <sighs> You know, I was going to talk to you about the proletariat and the rights of the working man. But you sort of covered it. Can I ask you a question, actually? Sure. How much do you get paid? There is a triplet's pregnant pause. Jackie, I... How much do they pay you to, to work for them? I paid them to join. This is more of a this is more of a professional organization, a guild. Well, I mean, g guilds have dues, but you, what, what do they give you for your money? Access to their library, so I can pick up spells. In fact, I have a few spells once I get some cash that I want to put into my book. Wait, Normally, hold on. So you pay to get access to a library that then you pay again to get the spells from what it was the first time payment the first time was access to the library the second time is just adding spells if i found a scroll on the side of the road i would still have to expend materials in order to add it to my book and so they they instead of finding spells on the road they have a bunch of spells that i can go and and copy jonathan the magimuscular has already done this a few times so you pay money for that lady to tell you what to do I tell you what to do for free. You make money off of me telling you what to do. It's, there is a hierarchy to this, and she has some vested interests. And again, this is, all of this, Bernie, is excellent reasons why you should. You are the best equipped to handle it. Plus, as a fellow uh, capitalist spellcaster, if things go awry, you are plenty powerful in your own right and further down the road i will take responsibility for the handoffs between thontorvrak and and the city for 
temporary custodianship while it's here for performances and then to be returned back to Pontefract. We will, I will oversee those as security, strictly security. But as far as hammering out the details, I can think of no one better than you. That's wonderful. Can I, at any point in time, are you responsible for recruiting new guild members? No. That's, are you very sure? Jonathan the Magimuscular has, it. it's not come up. And honestly, I don't meet very many magical people. Mostly I kill them. That's very true. Look, I'm not saying this is a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> it is, <laughs> though. Tell three of his friends, and they tell three of their friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's one that you, that you join, and it's got benefits. It's a professional guild. Jonathan the Magimuscular hasn't heard of the term multi-level marketing, but it actually kind of makes sense in some in some circumstances. Is, does the guild look like... Okay, Bernie makes a little pyramid with her fingers, like a little chunk, and she goes, does the, does the hierarchy of the guild remind you of this shape? Uh, Obo, uh, the... There was a war... There was a conflict or something, or spell plague, something that reduce the membership such that Jonathan the Magimuscular was advanced very quickly because he's one of the few adventuring wizards. What was that conflict? So it wasn't a conflict. Uh, just recently in Chult, there oh, was an right. issue, yes, um, in where there was, it was called the Death Curse. It lasted the death for curse. That's right. like a month, month and a half. You all remember this because you do remember that it, affected a lot of very powerful people so you none of you may know anyone personally because this happened a little while ago this happened before the four of you met up but literally there was a period of time in where anyone who had died and been resurrected grew sick and died and no one could be resurrected. So, Bernie, you might have heard about this, like, through your contacts through the church. Um, Travancore, you might have heard about this before you left to come to Faerun, just from the other people in the court. Jonathan, you probably heard professors at the academy talking about this. And uh, Carlton, being an Amphail amongst very wealthy people, they would have had the money and the resources. This is why diamonds are scarce, because for a very long time no one could be resurrected many of the people who died were never able to be recovered and so the number of people in Faerun that are of any significant adventuring power like yourselves either magical or not uh martial magical whatever it was a lot of those people died and never came back so the, That's why the black staff is so unique because she's e even more powerful and survived it all. That's why the four of you are so, even in a city as huge as Waterdeep, that's why the four of you are so valued because there aren't a lot of people left who have, who are at your level who managed to get through. Like, if that was to happen again, Travancore would have been one of the people you would have lost because he's died and been resurrected. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been hard on uh, uh, people a lot be of be like, I need a diamond. Bernie's sitting there thinking, you know, you fools went to the underworld to get these people back. How dedicated are you really? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Bernie would do for you. <laughs> exactly. So and to to back that up a little bit and to because Jonathan, you do have the the 
contract that you signed with the watchful order that details all of this stuff. So your perfect memory would remember you are not at all required to do any sort of recruiting. You are the... If you were to look at the number of people at every level in the organization, there would be a pyramid to it. There are fewer people at the top than at the bottom, but people at the top don't need to die, leave, or resign. You are put to a higher level depending on your interest, ability, and power level. And so there isn't a point at the top. There's actually a council of people. Also, as far as some of the stuff that you get, well, it'd be really hard to get back from the plane of water and a bunch of places without, say, the teleportation circles you have mm-hmm. access to and a bunch of things. Bernie's just fucking with you. Don't. Yes. I know so, you're not. John, I know. John, I John, John, muscular. All these things have gone through your head as Bernie's been messing as, with your... As- Bernie has made the pyramid with her fingers. Jonathan the Muscular goes, okay, it's sort of like this, except let's go ahead and he straightens out your top fingers. Okay, there we go. It's more flat at the top. Also, these people are dead. So he puts like <laughs> like your, one of your hands. So you've got a flat and it's more like a half triangle. And it's like, that's more of the organization now, thanks to the death curse and the council okay. and all. So. Hi. I get it. I get it. Mostly I'm messing with you, but this is what I want to remind you of. I am fully aware that the goddess that I serve and worship is real. We've had conversations. That's a little buck wild, but we'll get into that another day. If the church to my goddess ever asked me to do something that I believed went against my personal moral code, I would walk away. And they've given me a lot. Arguably, they're the reason I'm alive. I know you signed a contract. And I know in general, most of the people that work there are good people. And even your boss, who I think is kind of shady, probably believes she's doing whatever she's doing for the right reasons. No matter what is on that piece of paper, you don't owe them jack shit. If they want you to compromise you. And I don't think they, again, they, I don't know. It's just a different point of view. It's not good or bad. It's just, they have their, yes, they have their wants and needs. Don't have rack has theirs. Frankly, in a lot of the stories we, we've, I've grown up with, we would kill Thontorvrak because he is evil. He is genuinely an evil being, but this is not the world of stories. We're no. not we're not a bunch of people sitting around a table talking about stuff and rolling dice. This is real life and I found real life is awful gray. Yes, and I've met aside from some of the beings that literally shot out of hell at us. Oh yeah, that happened. The ones <laughs> born on this plane at least. I've met very few beings that could be described as inherently evil. I don't know that it's um a thing you are born being. I think it is a choice that you make. But just remember, all that being said about morality, and she gets really close to you because you've knelt down, and she puts her finger on your nose and she says, you better know where your fucking loyalties lie. I'd like to roll an intimidation check, please. Uh, well, <laughs> before you do, Jonathan, are you intimidated? No, it's Bernie. Yikes. You are intimidated by Bernie. Well, no, no. 
I will. No, I get okay, to wait, roll wait, wait, this wait. check. I, in any other the, Okay, meeting, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. The reason I asked is because if he had said yes, I wasn't going to even make you roll. But since he says no, go ahead and roll an intimidation check. Roll an intimidation check. Also, I mean, uh, Travancore and, and Tarp, I'm going to get to you in a moment. Yeah. I was only going to say, insofar as the other two stooges are intimidated by Mo. Indeed. She did roll a natural 20. I got oh, wow. 20. Everybody drink. I got a 20. I got a 23. Actually, you are so intimidated. You're so terrified. What do I, uh, what do uh, I roll uh, against that? That's a good question. What do you roll insight, against Insight, usually, that? right? Yeah, go ahead and roll an insight. That makes the most sense in this moment. <sighs> yeah, I rolled a five. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you decide, Jonathan, how you actually react to that. Uh, he is going to just say, understood. Good. Okay, in which case she's going to burst out laughing and she's going to pat you on the shoulder. She's like, no, you got this. I trust you. I understand. Well, that's the thing. I don't have to have have it. You have it. I'm going to the plate of water. (laughs) Bye. Outside the door of the bathroom, standing in their own bathrooms, (laughs) wondering. What the fuck are those two doing in there? I think I heard some crying from Jonathan. (laughs) We find Carlton and Travancore and. Shadow, sure, why not? Shadow, Shadow. brushes two first. Also in a bathrobe because I find that abusing. The Hold two on, you- which uh, I guess it's the front arms. The well, Travancore, if Shadow is wearing a bathrobe, uh, is he wearing a bathrobe on the front arms or on the back legs or or where- how is his bathrobe arranged? <laughs> two robes. <laughs> bear wearing a bathrobe. Yeah, I like Carlton's answer. I feel like you know, in the name of propriety, he has uh, one robe. That has uh, the front legs covered and one rope where the back legs are covered. I love it. I mean, he is a very large black bear. The the three of you Kinda stand. like a weird tent, huh? A, a respectful distance away from a locked bathroom, a communal bathroom door. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on June 20th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. G-I-R-R-T-E-R-F-F-E-D-S. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. What are you two doing in this moment? Is there anything you would like to do besides get into the bathroom? Carlton's good. He's like, Travin, or do you have do you have the pocket nut? Because I think I'm gonna need the garden because they probably need more fiber. I am ninety eight percent certain that I have the pocket nut because generally at any given time I'm the one who has it. So yeah, I'm gonna hand it over to uh, to Carlton wordlessly. Cool. I will go to the house in a little bit. I have other plans. Travis, of course, is gonna give a thumbs up. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Carlton will get himself together, put himself together, and he's going to go downstairs to get stock. Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, question. So I've got, like, nothing on the docket today, which is odd. Do you need any help in the kitchen? Uh, Wait, first, Can I help in the kitchen? I've been kind of wanting to, like, work on those skills a little more. You don't have to pay me. I'll work for free. Somewhere you heal Bernie go, get paid a living 
language. <laughs> no, I'm doing it for experience and exposure. In the middle of the conversation, she's like, this is what breaks the tension is she's just poked Jonathan in the nose and her her Bernie sense tingles. She's like, living wages, living wages. And I'm so, unfortunately, you don't know exactly why you say that. And Carlton can't hear that. And uh, the the amusing thing is that there's that moment where Gestock looks uncomfortable, confused, and then you say that you'll do it just for the experience and that he doesn't have to pay you, and he gives you a quizzical look and says, alright, I'm not looking to hire anybody, but I'll give you some on-the-job training. You're probably yeah, pretty but, good with a knife, right? Yeah, I'm pretty good with blades, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. And I'm good at gardening, too. If you need some fresh vegetables, I can go get them real quick. Uh, no, that's, that's pretty good. Let, let's... What do you want to learn? Just general, like cooking and like so like all my meals are basically cook it over an open flame till it's not raw all right try to liven it up a little bit so okay. if you will that's a good place to start i mean not getting people sick fully cooked good place yeah. to start like i got that part down i got the part of don't feed my friends raw food but usually it's pretty blackened okay bernie might do a little like magic magic to like Make it flavorful, but if I don't have to rely on that and I could just do it naturally, that'd be great. Yeah, I can work with this. Let's keep it simple. You said you got the whole day? Right now, unless, like, <clears throat> dragon comes bursting through, then I've got nothing to do. And at that moment, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Back. If you are willing to give Gestock the day, he is going to set you up as essentially the, a rung under sous chef. Like a prep, prep, a line cook, a prep. Yeah, line prep cook. You are, you are line cook. Uh, you're, it's not quite line cook, but a little more, uh, a bit better than that. He does start you off with some basics. Hey, chop this, clean this, wash this, do that. Are you proficient in cook's tools or brewer's? Herbalism kit. Uh, herbalism kit is not bad, but uh, there's, there's I definitely. I know how to use basil. Okay. <laughs> You know, how to use basil. You're going to start working in the kitchen. Oh, wait, on, that's the wrong character. Hold Let's on. see how long that lasts. I am not proficient in herbalism. I was looking at the wrong character sheet. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but do you, you're you not proficient in cooking tools or brewery no. supply or anything? Okay. Mar the martial weapons doesn't count? <laughs> well, as trap? I said, he's, I, I'm not <laughs> making him roll dexterity saving throws for knives. So, okay. So you're going to start helping prepare breakfast. But I am very perceptive about what can be going on in the kitchen and I can learn. Well, th there's gonna be there's gonna be some rolls a little bit later, but uh, for now it's all kind of basic stuff, and he's he's gauging your uh, uh, interest. We're gonna say at this point, like, are there any at other conversations? Put my head between two pieces of bread and call me an idiot sandwich. <laughs> nah, nah, we haven't reached that yet. But everything we haven't scored Gestock Ramsey yet. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, even Gestock, like you know, you know, he would be blunt, but not not mean. The three of the rest of you finish your preparations for the morning and come on down, what would you like to do? You do see Carlton behind the counter chopping carrots. Bernie's probably not next gonna corner Travancore and she's gonna say... <laughs> Jonathan the Magic Muscular <laughs> quickly makes his way out of the Golden Rock Tavern and and eyes Bernie's like, so that thing we talked about, you're good? Okay, awesome. We're, I'm, we're good! Alright, and he makes his way out. Do you know a lawyer... Travancore is going to search his memory to see if he has made acquaintance with any attorneys in his time in Faerun. Uh, not that 
Lauren can remember, but I, I'll leave this open for actually. A, I, oh, 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 wait, oh, do you oh, not know oh, a guy? Oh, 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 or a girl? Yeah, this is this is where I'm going. Would with you this. like to? I know a person. We I'm can gonna, I, know? I know a person. Ooh. All right, so you'll remember that Travancore went to a wedding between a human and an ogre, and or half orc rather, and uh, that is how he got to know this party. And he talked to people at this wedding, and one what? of the people he talked to was an attorney. He happens to live in Waterdeep, but he's never had need of legal services before. Okay. So, oh man, so I have to come up with a name now. This is all. This is all right at the top of my head. I'm, no, no, we're gonna roll with it. We're gonna we, roll with we it. We can do this. Like, get roll with it. Hard of the cards, like like AOC. I right? have a couple. I got a couple questions before we get to a name. So, yes. you you met this lawyer at the wedding. Yeah. Okay. So they they know people in your past. They're they're familiar with all of them. What kind of while they'll be the kind of lawyer who would be able to be a general practitioner, do you remember what – did they have a speciality or there, was there a story that they bragged about like, oh, I did this thing? Oh, so this uh, so this attorney is a GP just as a matter of economic necessity. However, their, their desired specialty, what they studied extra hard for in, in law school – was a magical contract law, which you think would have come up with Travancore earlier on. But there was no demon stuff, I don't think. I think it was more like among, you know, wizards and, you know, mortals. And, and Travancore knew that going in. That's why they, this person was not contacted during his troubles. Travancore, roll a history check. Yeah. So nine. With a nine. Nine. Yeah, you know what? That's just enough. You think. Yay. You think. You can't remember specifically, but you do remember. Uh, this lawyer did mention the Watchful Order of Magics, Magists and Protectors as one of their clients. You don't remember what they did for you, what they did for, for them, but you do remember they worked with them. Do you remember anything about who they are, what they looked like? Do you remember a name? All right. So her name is Shannon Douglas. Shannon Douglas. She's about the uh, same height as Travancore, which is, say, not tall at all. Because Travancore is only five foot four. He's actually shorter than I am in real life. This is an interesting choice that I made. I like interesting choices. But uh, she has, uh, yeah, I would say olive skin, short hair, uh, tends to be fairly neat and fastidious, uh, keeps her nails short, but she does like to paint them. So at any given time, you'll see like pretty standard clothes for the time, like that aren't necessarily colorful, but she likes to have crazy nails, rainbow nails, um, unicorn nails, just just fun stuff. It's like the way, like, she dresses plain deliberately to call attention to her nails as an affectation. Do you remember what her lineage was? Is she a human, elf, dwarf, furbolg, dragonborn? Tabaxi! I mean, for all intents and purposes, she's human. I mean, there might be some, I guess, what's the word, Asimar in there at some point. There's, there'd be no way to know. Like, as far back as it goes for all intents and purposes, she's human. Okay. And does she, she lives and practices in Waterdeep? Yeah. Is she part of a a group of lawyers, or does she work alone? Is she part of Douglas, Douglas, and Douglas? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> is, it's a family go. practice. <laughs> Douglas, Tony. No, no. The kicker is it's not. <laughs> oh, they're all different Douglases. <laughs> I was gonna go Douglas, Tony, Douglas, Tony, and Douglas, Tony after Tony, Tony, Tony. But that's a it's a bit much, that's right? A deep that's six partners. That's yeah. a lot of partners. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Douglas, 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 Tony, Tony, and Tony. Douglas, Douglas. And each Tony is spelled different. Tony, T-O-N-Y, T-O-N-I. 
Yeah, T T O N. Yeah, Y I and E. I don't. I don't know the order in real life. It's been thirty years. Tony and one of them has an accent, like something. But all of the Douglases <laughs> are spelled exactly the same. Yeah, and confusing. one of the Tonys like actually changed their name. The original name was Raphael. That's a whole. It's a whole thing. That's a whole. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. Okay. <laughs> Deep cuts from me. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to create about this person? She likes to talk more than me, more than both Travancore and more than me in real life. She collects little wooden figurines. I don't know why, but she does. And she is very family-oriented. She talks to her. She comes from a big family. I'd say six brothers and seven sisters, which even for Faerun in, you know, arguably medieval time. Big family. Big old family. You say that to Bernie, and she goes, I'm a gnome, and I would like to tell you that's a little much on the procreation side. Okay. I mean, especially for humans, right? I've got two more questions, or I got one more sure. question, and then we're going to roll, and then I'll, I'll let you continue this conversation. So okay. you said that she, well, actually, two questions then. How old is she? Uh, same age as Travancore, so just shy of 40. I would, no, Travancore's actually 40. Travancore's 42 now, so I'd say Shannon's about 40 years old. Okay. And you said she comes from a big family. Does she currently have a family of her own? Nope. Married to a career. Okay. And now, the secret roll happens. Oh, no. Here's what I'd like you to do, because we have to, we're going to do the role that decides, so you can decide as Travancore how you think Shannon feels about you. Uh, This role is going to determine how she actually feels about you. (laughs) I see. That's hilarious. So the role is going to be in secret, so um, you might have to do the role somewhere outside of D&D Beyond, uh, or if you've got, or I can do the role for you. Actually, that that probably makes the most sense. I'll do the role. Yeah. Um, okay. But I will let you argue for what skill you would like to use. All right. So, um, knowing having talked to Shannon, like during the wedding and the subsequent like week long celebration afterwards, Travancore is going to use a persuasion, and the argument for it is, is like you know she know he knows the channel likes a challenge and you know anything that is worthy of her she would rise to the occasion and and Chavancor knows from being being a diplomat and being just you know having donor her in general like to appeal to her if you appeal to a person's ego if you make them feel useful and most importantly if you make them feel like that something is their idea they will happily and willingly do what you want them to do so no sounds very manipulative but Travancore it's kind of this family's mo isn't it all right and what is your persuasion. Persuasion is a plus eight. Okay. I am going to text to just Jack. Oh, not text. I'm going to put in the Zoom call. Sorry. While that's happening, I'd like to point out that one of my other games, our party actually does have a lawyer on retainer in Waterdeep. And she is an old graying tabaxi whose name is Jurwit Claus. A play on Jurat Claus. Mm. The funny thing about that, that you mentioned Tabaxi, I literally went into one of my characters on D&D Beyond to make the role, and I pulled up my Tabaxi bard to do it. Okay. <laughs> Please continue this discussion about the lawyer that you know between the two of you. Okay. Yeah, so I think Shannon might be able to, to take this on. What do we need a lawyer for again? Um... <laughs> I'm just going to, like, Travis Corsair say I need a lawyer, and then Travis Corsair is going to go into this whole spiel like, oh, I know a lawyer, and then basically share everything you shared in call, but then ask, hey, why? It's, well, it's, you seem to know quite a lot, which is good. Did you say that she worked for the Watchful Order? They're one of her clients? Mm, I don't remember if she talked about having them on retainer or not. I mean, just from a, 
if she likes magical contract law, I can't imagine that she wouldn't have come across them, but I don't know for sure. Well, we can ask. We need to figure out something that's a little better than a handshake to make sure that the situation surrounding these instruments remains peaceful, magical, happy. I think we have to figure out a long-term agreement for the a long-term loan a loan agreement for the instruments an agreement where Thontorvac is in writing acknowledged as the current owner of the ones he does own and he then is willing to loan them out for use to specific use to the symphony and I've got a general idea, but I feel like I feel like we need to talk to somebody who knows how to write a contract. And I thought you might know that, you know, given. You know, you would think I would talk to more attorneys about contracts, but there's always uh, you know, secrecy about all that. There is something back home, and this'll parallel something real that I learned in real estate school. Uh, called life estate, where basically ownership retains with one family, but for a one lifetime, which can be, which is relative depending on which species you're talking, which species you're talking about. Because they don't dwarves do that. Travacore doesn't know if dwarves do that or not. I'm gonna assume. So I would imagine some do, but I don't want to make assumptions. Yeah. So for the it, the person who has the life estate gets to use it for the purposes of life and enjoy use of it, but ownership remains with the original owner and upon uh, the person's um, deceasing, to use the legal term. The the object would revert back to the uh, the original owner. The person would not have the life estate would not have a right to pass it down to any other heirs or signs or or wards, as it were. Travancore pushes the imaginary glasses up his face at this point. That might work. A variation of that. What I think we need. What I think we need when we give this to Thontorvac is confirmation that he wants to see them used. Because I mean. He sounds like a collector, but he also sounds like he collects experiences. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he wants these instruments for the sake of having them, but I don't know that he can play them. And I assume he probably just wants to see them played. I mean, he seemed amenable to that. So I think, I think our play here is to come to him with the instrument and say, we want to find a way to protect your interest. And say that the the watchful order wants to play ball, but we also understand that Thontorvac's going to live a very long time, and that it might be good to have some of this in writing, because he will outlive a majority of these people, and there needs to be some legal precedent that says, yeah, you get to borrow these instruments, but they don't belong to you, and they're here to be played in concert. I think we have to, you know, sort of legally establish him as a patron of the arts. And maybe at the same time, this would be a really good way to protect the city against potential angry Thontrovax. What do you think? I think it's ironic that after uh, centuries of my family and myself being bound to a contract, a contract may prove our salvation. But I can put aside the irony for the, comp- for the, better, for the greater good. Yeah, is this uncomfortable for you? Everything's uncomfortable for me. That's my secret. But we can go. We can proceed anyway. 
Yeah, I don't have a degree in psychology, so we'll uh, see your lawyer, and then we'll look into some therapy. Can we buy watercolors afterwards? I have a thing I want to do. Yeah, yeah, this shouldn't take... I don't know how long it's going to take with lawyers, but... With Shannon, it could be a minute. Well, why don't we do your thing first, then? <laughs> Travancore just gives a big smile. Because Travancore's hope before this conversation came up was to buy some watercolors and eventually paint a picture for uh, for Murray because he wasn't able to bring him anything proper. He thought he would do a couple of paintings, one of the, you know, the island of the island that he was on and one of a dinosaur since he wasn't able to bring an actual dinosaur there. I thought it'd be the next best thing, assuming Travancore is good. So like, and Murray's a long lived creature as well. So I would imagine with like, a relatively short lived person like Travancore, it'd be the equivalent of a child drawing a picture for uh for said being <laughs> and maybe it would be just cute enough that he'd be able to that uh, murray would be okay with it uh lauren is the you said they were able to see me in the kitchen right? uh yeah give me give me 10 more seconds travancore i will say that you've done a lot of art and your art skills have gotten better so i don't know i you you don't give yourself quite enough credit carlton what's up uh, with a 34, can I overhear him saying he wants to draw a picture for Murray since he couldn't take Murray? Travancore, are you trying to be quiet about this conversation? About the art part of the conversation? I mean, I don't, like, art I don't care about. Like, that's, that's public knowledge. I mean, he doesn't really care. So as Carlton's chopping, he'll just yell out, Why don't you just have Jonathan take you guys? <laughs> like, just have Jonathan take you and Murray back to the island for a day. And then Travancore very calmly says, Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> I like my idea better. I don't want to go back right away. And I'm done doing things I don't want to do because other people want me to do them. And we're going we're gonna to pause there. We're going to do one more thing. Uh, and then we're going to pause. And I have a couple of questions for everybody. And, and we'll have another, we'll, we'll take a, a, a pause in this game. But before we leave this morning, Carlton, as you've been chop, 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 as you've been helping to prepare this breakfast. Oh, what do I want you to, we're going to, we're going to do. Yes. So your plan is to stay here all day and help. I yeah. would like. Diner Dash. Three rolls from you. Okay. I want, I want a dexterity check. An intelligent an intelligence check, and I'll let you pick one skill roll. Okay. That has to be related to learning how to cook. So okay. Give me your dexterity check, not saving throw. Dexterity check. Yep. Is a twenty-one. Excellent. Give me your intelligence, intelligence check, check. A twelve. Okay. And I'll let you pick a skill. I'm gonna go either perception or survival. Uh, perception. I'm taking in what the other. Like, employees are doing, trying to, like, follow their lead, do it, like, listen to what the people are trying to order so I can be ahead of the orders. Like, oh, I'm hearing somebody asking for carrots. I'm going to start trying to get more carrots. Or would you rather a survival? And I'm kind of getting an idea of, like, what goes together well, what's going to make a good meal, give enough nutrition. Which one would you prefer? Go ahead and give me a survival check. Because um, the first time that you try to anticipate what people are what people are saying out in the at their tables... Gestock very gently is like, no, 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 just wait for the order for what they choose, because people change their mind all the time. So wait till we have the order. Uh, 15 for survival. 15 for survival. Okay. By the end of the day, if things change, we can change this around. But I'm going to say by the end of the day, you haven't mastered anything, but you feel like you kind of know your way around Gestock's kitchen and you haven't picked up any new skills 
but you feel like you've got the rhythm of preparing for... And the Golden Rock Tavern isn't like an incredibly busy place. It's it's a very slow-paced um, establishment. It's a place that people come and they sit for like four or five hours and they have a nice long meal and coffee. And the stock is catering to people who want to hang out. And so it's not like rush, 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 go, 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 yeah, go, go. Yeah, I think this would be a better learning environment than like the five-star restaurant down the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's it's all that home-style meal and it's ambiance and it's comfort. And it's you now know that Gestock runs this place because he likes to and not because he needs to make money. And so there isn't a impetus to advertise or hustle or any of that. So he has time to like walk you through things. And so you don't learn any anything entirely new, but you do feel like the next time you do this, you'll you'll have a nice foundation for picking up new recipes and new skills. Like basically what he did today was refine what you already know and got rid of a couple of assumptions you have about cooking for four or five, six people. All right. I have questions for all of you, and if you don't have the answers for these, uh, that's fine. So the next time we get together, it sounds like Carlton's spending the day in the kitchen. Jonathan is going back to the Watchful Order to start to do back and forth to the to the elemental plane of water. Travancore and Bernie are going to, there's going to be some watercoloring happening, and then eventually a talk with a lawyer. Was there anything else you want, that any of the four of you wanted to do today or is is that basically today did we get murray back you have murray you do have murray what is the thing we wanted to ask murray we wanted to ask him some shit and i never write it down because he had asked for a dinosaur to write on i don't know if it had anything to do with that if we were going to try and say like kind of smooth that over that he wasn't getting a dinosaur because i think bernie was concerned with dinosaur poop rightfully and and tiny dinosaurs yeah they make big shits or was it about the Captain Lang- Langley's warning about Murray? Yeah. Oh, did she have a warning about Murray? Basically, like he knows. Well, not that he knows more than he lets on. Kind of. It was not super ominous, but it was not harmless. Exactly. I mean, it was basically that we don't really know Murray. True. <laughs> At some point, if it does not interfere with moving the story along, I think we should try to get to know Murray. I mean. Nothing prevents you from moving the story along. Everything you do is story. So whatever you want to do, I'm here for. I just want to make sure, because what I'm going to say is if nobody else wants to do anything, if if it's going to be watercolors and back and forth from the, the plane of water and cooking and things like that, then we can say that that happened and the next time we get together, we'll meet up in the evening after all that's happened and you can kind of regale your day. But if there's anything else that you want to RP through and we can, you don't have to decide that now. We can decide that next time, but just kind of think about it. I will leave you with one other thought. Jonathan, you do think at some point you need to at least send a message to Thondorvrak. He did say he wanted to hear back when you got back. I'm not going to say to do that now. I'm just going to leave that as you are walking to the Watchful Order. As uh, Bernie and Travancore are enjoying their Carlton cooked breakfast. And as this day has been planned out to some extent with changes that can still be made. We'll pause there. 
the next time we get together, we'll find out how this day went. We will continue with the um, the negotiations with Murray, with the watchful order, with possibly a, a lawyer, and some other things. But let me give you some experience. First, for uh, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. For I'm going to have an intense conversation with you. Oh, wait, you have already had the same thoughts and I don't need to. Carlton deciding that he wanted to play Cooking Mama in the middle of our D&D game, which made me very happy. Travancore for everything is uncomfortable for me, which hit my soul a little too hard. And this was after there was already Jonathan breaking the fourth wall with, this isn't a game, this isn't us sitting around a table rolling dice. (laughs) And for coming up with Sharon Douglas on the fly, who we will meet at some point, uh, I'm going to give you all a total of 10,000 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, unless something else happens, it will be the end of the day today, and we will be uh, going over what happened during the day. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.